All right. So if you've been doing marketing for a while, actually, it doesn't even matter if you've been doing it for a while, for a week or a decade, you know that Google Analytics just becomes like the bane of any marketing team's existence. It's a necessary evil. Something always breaks or it's not right, or you got to find a developer to help you set it up. And I looked it up because I wanted to mention it for this, but Google Analytics launched in November 2005, 16 years ago, and yet it's still the thing that most marketing teams uh, obsess over and get stuck with so much. But there's a better way, and that way is called Aribi. It's an awesome new company, Aribi.io. They got customers like Sony, Pizza Hut, Audi, Panasonic, and Sky. So what they do is really cool. They automatically capture every activity on your website. So imagine someone visits your blog. Oh, nope, didn't have to set up a tag for that. It just automatically captures. Someone visit your pricing page. Somebody did something on your website. You didn't have to go and set that up in advance, which is always the thing that drives me nuts. Ah, oh, we didn't have a goal set up for that. They'll automatically capture everything that's happening on your website and you can do it all without a developer. That is the selling point for me to not have to always beg my friends on the product team to do drug deals and get this stuff over the line. Once you connect your site, you can just start capturing everything your website visitors do. And you can even ask questions like, hey, do people, are people who read our blog, are they more likely to buy than other people? Or people who visit my pricing page, are they more likely to convert? than somebody else. It's awesome and you should totally check it out. And they're hooking you up with a great little discount, 20% off any plan. But most importantly, like to me, marketing is about simplifying the decision-making process. And if you can have someone that works 24-7 like an analyst on your team for you, which is what Aribi does, it's going to give you a huge benefit. So you can go and check it out, aribi.io slash DGMG, and you can start a free trial. And if you use the coupon code DGMG, you'll get 20% off any plan. I'm launching a new site, dgmg.co, in a couple weeks, and I'll be using Aribi to track everything that I do. And I think you should go and check it out. So aribi.io slash DGMG, go and check it out, and hopefully you can say goodbye to Google Analytics. This episode is also brought to you by my friends at Lemon Pie. They're the ones who produce this show for me. They're awesome at what they do and I can't recommend their work enough. They make it super easy for me and I know that they can help you too if you want to launch a podcast strategy for your brand. Check them out at www.lemonpie.fm and tell them I sent you. That's www.lemonpie.fm. Tell them that I sent you. All right, let's get into this episode. Hey, I'm Dave Gerhardt, and you're listening to the B2B Marketing Leaders Podcast. This is the place where I share B2B marketing lessons and learnings every week. My guest on this episode is Marcus Andrews. He's director of product marketing at Pendo. Before that, he had the same role at HubSpot. He's awesome. We went deep into positioning, messaging, strategic narrative, and all the difference. You're going to love this episode. Here we go. I think this is the perfect place to start off, which is... You dropped a bomb in the email, which is like, the biggest thing is B, that's BS in product marketing is how everyone says it's different in every company and it's not well-defined because 90% of the people you've talked to on your podcast say the same stuff. So take me into that because when I talk to B2B marketers, at least what I see from the chatter in DGMG, everybody is confused. And I think you're right because they haven't worked with the right product marketers, but like, what is the answer? 
Yeah, so I, I don't know why people are so confused, but I can just tell you how bad it is for product marketing, right? Because like if a CMO doesn't understand the value of it, or if there's all these people who have a different definition of it, or nobody can kind of come together and say, this is what it is, and this is why it's valuable, like the future of the craft is in a really bad place. But also, I just don't understand it. Because like I said, there's, you know, I've talked to like 30 different product marketing leaders through 30 episodes of the product marketing experts, and they all say the same thing. It's like we all do X, Y, and Z. And there's different combinations of it. You know, there's different, like at a super small company, maybe it's a little bit different than a giant company, but it's always the same stuff. You know, they're always working with product on it's like they're a marketer who's embedded with the product team. They spend a lot of time with the product team, but they're in the marketing org. They are taking products to market. And they do that through positioning, which is a combination of customer and market research that turns into some kind of deliverable that helps shape the marketing and sales that go with it. They are doing it by taking products and turning them into narratives and stories, and then equipping and enabling the sales team with that. And then they're a cross-functional glue role where they're going, they're having a lot of cross-functional meetings, talking to service sales success and taking products to market through launches primarily. And like, that's it. Maybe a team indexes more on sales enablement or more on strategy, but it's never anything outside of that. Like that, those are the core components. That is what everybody is doing. Very, very similar. I think people struggle in between launches. Like I think mm. what does product marketing do when you have a launch is pretty easy, you know, because it's, it's everything. Sure. It's okay, well, what's the messaging? What's the website? What's the landing page? What's the video? What's the deck? Is sales trained? But like, you know, my guess is that for, for you, you're not at HubSpot as one example. Like you're doing maybe one big launch a year. What was it? Yeah, so we were doing as many as, I think it's ideal when we have a launch a quarter, but they slowed down a lot. And so we were doing like probably two big launches a year. But yeah, there's definitely- Wait, the, can, we, the, can we pause on that for a second? I think- yeah. I think what you said is really important because I think so much like many other roles in marketing, the product marketing success is dictated by the product and the other company. And so like, yeah, if you're a product marketer, oftentimes you'd be like, give me more. If you got something, every quarter is perfect because then you can like, it makes planning really nice and easy. It's like, all right, this is the launch. And then in between the launch, we're going to like, yeah, I got some other stuff I got to update. And you know, we've been meaning to do that. But like, I love the benchmark of like, I think that you should be pushing as a product marketing person. You should be, I need something to launch every quarter. And I remember being in those discussions with the, you know, head of product saying like, DG, what do you want? And, and like, we'd say, oh, can we get something this quarter? And like, that's the best relationship. So I, I love that you like, I think that's a simple way of giving a framework. Like you got to be launching something every quarter. Yeah, I think you got to be launching something every quarter. I think that's ideal. It's a real sweet spot. Once a year is too few, and it just doesn't make sense with like what people expect from companies, how fast products innovate. Once a month is really too much. You kind of, you, you run out of um, quality of the launches. And if like, I know at one point at Drift, you guys were doing even le like more launches than that, which I think is totally insane. I don't know how you're doing that or why you're doing it, but I mean, it shows you have a lot of momentum, but once a quarter is really, really good because you can make them so big and there's such quality and you can do more than that. I mean, for me, it's, I guess it depends on the product team. But I mean, I do think a good product marketer, you should be able to turn whatever the product team is working into, into exciting, interesting marketing moments, right? And like, and that could be anything. Like, okay, you've got some integrations and some stuff you're doing to permissions or like you have a webhook and it, like 
when I see a good product marketer, they're always really good at like, you know, I'm going to unpack all this stuff the product is working on and I'm going to turn it into something that's way more interesting than if they were just to tell you. I got to give you a story. I got to give you a story on that. So yeah, one time when I was at Drift, the launch was new dashboards. And for whatever reason, the product team, and I love, I love the, I mean, this is not a Drift comment. This is just like, I'm just, I like as a marketer to sometimes take shots at other departments because marketing is the best. But like the, the launch was new dashboards. Marketers love dashboards. Everybody loves new dashboards. And I'm like, yeah, really, dude, <laughs> this is what I got, new dashboards. Yeah. But it was great because it, it really challenged us from a marketing perspective to say like, what's a story that we're going to tell? And so, you know what? The headline that we wrote for that launch was that we're ending the war between sales and marketing because yeah. for the first time, we're showing you direct revenue impact via your chat conversations and in product, right? And it's like, that to me is the fun of product. I think anybody yes. can do easy product marketing is like, you're going to launch the new Tesla. How hard could that be? It's insane. Everybody wants it, right? The magic is like, give me like the B stuff. And like, so what are you going to do with it? That's it. Totally. And that's like, and that's, it's hard too, because you will, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and I see stuff and product comes out with some, something and I start asking questions and I can start to see it in my head. It's like, Oh, you know, there's this piece and there's this piece. And I'm just like pulling away all the things, but it's not something that most marketers can do really easily. And like, that's a, for 100% a great product marketer is they see a dashboard launch and they're like, no, this is, we're going to end the war between sales and marketing. Amazing narrative. And, but it's also product driven, right? Because you could say that right. and maybe people would be interested, but there's no product to send people to. Like yeah. you're going to pay it off with an actual thing people can do in the tool, which is again, great product marketing because it's product driven. So I have a question related to that, which is, one thing I've struggled with, and I haven't really spent that much time as a dedicated product marketer. I've just, I've done it as a slice of my job and my bias is to be the storyteller and all that stuff. I always kind of struggled with like the success and effectiveness of a launch when it wasn't a freemium hook where like the measurable, like really great at launches when like I knew that the measurable impact was like 5,000 signups, right? Yeah. Some of the more like, hey, Dave, this is more of an enterprise launch this month and we're announcing this integration with whatever. How do you measure success in some of those more not obvious like, oh, if we're going to launch a book, I know how to measure that. I'm going to sell books and book, <laughs> book sales is going to be the measure. But how do you think about measuring that type of stuff? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, you should understand you need to connect the dots to like whatever levers you're going to pull as the you know, head of PMM, right? So it's like, all right, we, we're trying to drive revenue. As part of that, we're going to launch like this enterprise thing and it's a longer sales cycle or whatever. Like, I don't, you design the, the CTAs and make sure that you have a clear way of saying like, look, this is what we're going to impact. And this is, this would is that how. be like, and what would that be like booking meetings pipeline? Yeah, 100%. I mean, pipeline, I think is, is really important. Booking pipeline, having a certain amount of, uh, you know, like, trying to build some kind of projection on the CTA. The thing that's really, really helpful here is just to have benchmarks for these launches, you know, so you have some kind of sense of like what to expect because you're right, like they'll come in different varieties. But if you're running product marketing at a company, like start like run a launch and then put some benchmarks, like understand it, test it, figure out where you're at. And then every launch is a little bit different. But as long as you have benchmarks to say like, this is good, this is bad, this is what we're trying to influence, that'll help you. But then also you need to have a, a goal, right? I mean, it's it's not rocket science, right? If it's something that's product adoption, talk to your product team. Let's make sure that we have a, a, you know, like an event that we're measuring in the product that we're trying to get everybody to do. And then just point all your product marketing at that thing, move that needle. 
maybe it's pipeline, you know, maybe it's close rate, maybe it's like a win rate versus a certain competitor. Sometimes that stuff is hard to measure, but uh, even if you can do it, you know, just like through feedback from the sales team or whatever, it's, it has, it's never been that hard for me. You just, it's just like a matter of like focusing, making sure you have a clear goal, I think. All right. We kind of have hit on some of it, but you have roles and responsibilities of product marketing. So I'll yeah. go through each one and you explain it. First one you have is marketers embedded in product. Explain that for people that aren't familiar with the way that you guys have done it. For sure. So one of the biggest values of product marketing, I mean, not to back up too much, right? But I think that companies that are product driven really, really win today. In the past, you didn't have to. You didn't need product marketers. You didn't have to do this because you could have an amazing sales team. You could have an amazing marketing team. You grow lots of pipeline, you close lots of deals, and you like figure out the products later. There's no appetite for that anymore. People really understand product. They're smart. They're savvy. They don't want vaporware. You have to be product driven. You have to have a marketing and sales message that connects. It can still be exciting and interesting, but it has to have a product at the end of the day that connects with it. Easiest way to do that is to take marketers, creative marketers, embed them into the product team. And so they absorb the products and they're like, you know, they work with individual product managers that the other side of the coin to a, to a PM. And then that team is really in charge of like the go-to-market. And so they make sure that the sales team and the product team are really on the same page, right? And product marketing, there's a lot of questions around what does a product manager do versus what does a product marketing manager do? Yeah, I didn't mean mean to throw you off by chatting you that, but like, I think this is where, (laughs) this is where a lot of people get stuck, which is like, I get that. But now, especially I'm at a startup, there, there's a, the whole company's 40 people say, what's the difference between product marketing and product management in that context? Yeah, so product management is going to own, you know, they're product owners, right? And they're owning the problem. And I think it's really good for them. It's important for them to understand, you know, some of the sales process and how people are going to use their product. But when product teams are really good, they're spending a ton of time with, with customers. They spend a ton of time really understanding the product building requirements, building the roadmap, making sure that the product is excellent. But just as much of the product experience is how you find the product, how you learn about the product, how you're sold the products, like all of these things matter. And this is really like the go-to-market. And the go-to-market in my mind is best owned by the product marketing manager, right? And so it's important to understand the product and you could do, I don't know, 50% of the PM's job if you had to step in and, and help do this. And sometimes you have to, right? Sometimes you go to a, a company and they're like, you know, we need to get more customer insights into our product development process. You're going to have to jump in and do that. But this go-to-market side of it is really, really important. And it's a lot of companies think about it as like, oh, I'm going to get to a certain size and I want to accelerate sales and marketing. And I want to like, you know, I really want to scale things. And I want, I want to increase the closed rate of sales. I want to make sure that we have, you know, doing product launches. So they add product marketing kind of late in the game. But I think if you do this early, make sure it's a foundational hire, you build this really tight go-to-market effort between like, you know, the team that's building the products and the teams that are bringing it to market. So that's step one, right? right. That's step one. Step two is positioning. Yes. So positioning, the way to think about it is that, you know, you've got your product and your product is constantly moving. It's growing, it's changing, it's adding new features, whatever, whatever. You've got the market, which is your, you know, the people who are buying your product. That's also constantly changing. It's growing, it's wanting new things, like the crazy things in the world are impacting it, like the pandemic and that's shifting things. And then you've got your marketing. And that is what your website says. And that's what your sales deck says. And that's like, those are three Venn diagrams. I have a slide if I, you know, if you, I don't know if you're going to use the video, but I can show it to you. Yeah, pull it up. Yeah. All right, cool. 
this is what I'm talking about. There's your product, your market, and your marketing. All of these things exist. Think about them as like a Venn diagram. And there's these different situations that happen. You can have vaporware where your marketing is super interesting to your market, but has nothing to do with your product, right? That's vaporware. my favorite kind. That's my favorite this kind. This is the Dave Gerhard. Uh, no, you, you are, you know, you believe in launching stuff. You believe in a good story, but you're not boring, right? Which is situation number two. Situation number two, which you see way more of in B2B SaaS, is that their marketing is super true to their product, does not capture the imagination of the market in any way, shape, or form. What usually happens is that you just have poor product marketing, right? Where your market, your marketing, and your product are disconnected. These things are moving away from each other constantly. So your product is changing, and that means that you're product pages aren't up to date anymore. It means your sales team doesn't know what the hell's going on. It means your services team is confused and your market is shifting. So customers don't care about your original product or they think differently about your other product. Positioning is really this process of like talking to customers, talking to products, talking to the marketing team, understanding all of these pieces really, really well, and then pulling them back together. Because great product marketing, it's not perfect overlap but it's very tight overlap. So your marketing is highly reflective of your product, but it also captures the imagination of the market. So that's really what positioning is to me. If you want to think about it visually, there's a lot that goes into it, but all of these all of these circles are always pushing away from each other. Product marketers are pulling them back together. It's what yeah, makes this it This is great. Product. Take that if you're listening. This is the ROI slide. Nice. This is great. I have follow-ups, but they're going to derail you. So let's keep going through your, uh, your roles and responsibilities. And I, I'm going to take us in a different direction after this. All right. So positioning, right? So like first, first step is get embedded in your product team, learn the product. Second is do the positioning. Positioning has an output. Do it once a quarter, right? When you're not in those launch cycles, you should be doing positioning. You're doing other stuff too. But if you're doing a launch every quarter, you should also be doing positioning every quarter. And positioning should be an internal deliverable that people are like pumped about. It shouldn't be a Google doc that nobody gives a shit about. It should be really interesting. It should come out. It should be a big win for the product marketing team that goes up on the wiki. Everybody thinks it's cool. Yeah. Across a lot of different teams. I think that's one of the most importantly underrated elements is getting people excited inside. And so like any successful product launch that I've done, it has been led before the public saw it. There was some internal presentation that had people in the company like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, it doesn't always happen that way, but like that was the reaction that I wanted to achieve because if you can't get the people inside of your company fired up on Friday at your show and tell, when you make that launch on Tuesday, you know, it's just, it's going to be different. It's just not going to be there. And so I think like I take internal presentations really seriously, oftentimes yeah. more seriously than external, because I think it's such a, it's hard and it's hard to measure but something happens when you get people in your company to believe that they're more likely to become advocates for you. They're more likely to spread their word. It's not just from a social media marketing standpoint. It's also from like the engineer is more likely to do a favor for you to get a data right. you know, pull for something right. tied to this big launch. There has so, so many implications there. This episode of B2B Marketing Leaders is brought to you by DGMG. That's my members-only community for B2B marketers. There's over 2,300 members, and it's awesome because it's really like having a sounding board outside of your company. 
Inside of the group, you can get feedback, recommendations on tools, campaign ideas, and more. I see people ask questions about hiring, team structure, ad targeting, copy feedback. It's incredible. And it's the reason that I'm in the group basically every day sharing stuff too. I feel like it's a group of people I want to be around to get better as a B2B marketer too. And because you're here listening to B2B marketing leaders, you can get in the group for just $1 for your first month. And then after that, it's 10 bucks a month. And it's super easy to expense. You could even do an annual. It's like 100 bucks a year. It makes it really easy to send to your CFO. Flies under the radar. It's 100 bucks. It's really easy. But there's 10 to 12 new posts every single day. And you can go in there daily. And you can even go and see all the content from last year. I know that if you're in B2B marketing, you will go in there and you'll be like, huh, I get what Dave was talking about. I know you'll see the ROI from the community alone instantly. And even more so now that you can get in there for your first month for just a dollar. So there's a special link. Link in the show notes of this show where you can go and sign up for a dollar. Go and check that out. One of the skills of great product marketers is that they're cross-functional momentum makers, right? And like you're talking about momentum, I think. And you know, momentum is when you have an amazing launch, it's because you have all of this momentum going towards it. Everybody's on the same page, everybody's in. And it happens because not because their boss says like, hey, you got to do this launch this year, then they'll help you out with they'll roll their eyes and they'll do a shitty job, right? But if you go to their team meeting and you get them pumped up about this thing that's happening or whatever, then they're excited and you have momentum. So like ultimately, I think, I think ultimately the like, and this is true in any job in any marketing role, but ultimately as a product marketer, you want to be the person who the product team has an idea and they can't wait to go find you and tell you about it. And I had this relationship with the last VP of product that I work with at, at Drift, Craig, he would be like, Oh, I got to go find DG. We got to go, we got to go tell you, like, we got to go like stand in the parking lot and like tell this story together. And I think that's ultimately the relationship that you want to have where you're like kind of, you know, you're able to riff on ideas like that together. And that's where the magic happens. Yeah. I love it too. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah. You have an excited product owner, you know, whoever they come, you have a meeting and they're, they're talking a mile a minute and you understand half of what they're saying, but you know that they've built something that's like really, really cool. And you can tell the story that's coming that's magic for sure. I don't know why you're, you guys are standing in a parking lot exactly, but because you gotta, you just gotta go. You gotta go somewhere. You gotta go out. out. Uh, there wasn't even. I don't even know if I. I don't even think I've ever worked at a place in the last five years where there has been a parking lot. So that was just completely. That's what happens. You get excited and you just lie. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, all right. So that is. Well. So that's. Um. I don't know where we were, but this, the third step is narrative. Doesn't matter. So all good. people care about stories. You know, I'm talking about like. I'm saying people care about product and they want to hear about your product, but people learn via stories. They pay attention via stories. Sales sells via stories, right? Like they build relationships. It's built on emotion. You have to have a five slide slide deck that can capture a product launch, the positioning, whatever it is, spending the time and making it like a, you know, a company culture thing to have these stories that our products is super, super important. So this could be, big, big old company narrative, you know, you're talking about like a strategic narrative, you're designing a narrative for something big, a new product line, or it can just be a story for like, you know, a smaller launch, a new feature, the story of some other thing. Product marketers are building those based off the positioning because the positioning is an output. It's like science. It's not that interesting. When you turn it into a story, slide deck for sales, landing page, you know, whatever it is, this should be the same story throughout. But I think that is really the third step is that you go from this strategy stuff and positioning to real stories in there. 
Yeah. And, and the story is like, to me, that's the most fun part from a product marketing perspective is like, sure. cause you're given the ingredients, which is like your position in the market, the competition, your features and functionality, blah, blah, blah. And then you got to figure out what's a story that I'm going to tell to people that's going to piece this all together for them. I, I love that question for you. How do you quickly explain the difference between narrative and positioning? You kind of just did, but like, maybe could you give me like a, a hierarchy? Yeah, let me jump back over to this stack. I can, uh, and I can share this stack with you guys if you're interested in it. All right. Yeah. So these terms are really important just because, you know, another thing it's like, Hey, everybody's going to get confused about a million times I've been, you know, like, Hey, what's the positioning for this product? And what people actually want is like a tagline or like the name of the thing. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's important for you as a PMM, if you want to be successful in your job, to define these things, to make sure the words actually mean something, and then to tell people, to teach people what they are, right? So positioning to me, it's the science behind great marketing. It's your research and analysis. It's going to guide how you market your technology. Like one thing I think is really interesting is, um, you know, Gong and you know Descript, right? Almost it's both natural language processing technology, like the technology behind those two companies isn't that different, but they're positioned in wildly different ways, right? One is like a sales coaching technology and the other is podcast editing software, but they do exactly the same thing. So that positioning is really fundamental. You have to get it right. That's what positioning is. Narrative company level story that guides the focus and direction. You know, it's rooted in a real change in the world. This is more marketing. This is interesting to anyone, right? Not just the people who use your product and then messaging actual words, the copy that you put on a landing page that you share publicly. This is fantastic. Oh my gosh, people are going to eat this deck up. And positioning is like most kind of crucial to your like tech, the technology and the overall vision of the company, right? Yeah. And this, this is where when you have that meeting with product, you know, you're in the parking lot, you're doing positioning, right? You're talking to, they're telling you about, Hey, I have these customers they are frustrated with this thing. So we built this thing and here's what I think it does. And they're starting to do positioning. That's when positioning starts. It just always starts with product because they're, they're building this stuff. They don't just make it up for fun, right? They have an idea of what it's going to do. And then product marketing is there to help them figure out exactly what it does to polish it, to figure it out, to fit it into the right market and customer and whatever. You're not going to like, very rarely do I ever go to the product team and I'm like, no, this isn't, email, this is whatever, you know, it's like, usually they get it right. They're good at their job. They understand what they're doing. I just help them package things together, you know, sometimes unpack things, sometimes say like, Hey, this one little feature that you hit in the product is actually the most interesting thing in the entire thing. Let's talk about that. So that's, you know, that's positioning. A lot of people get stuck on this. And yeah. I, I think to, to lay it out gives you the structure for like, which gaps you need to fill and you can't, you can't have messaging. You can't have good messaging without a narrative and you can't have a narrative without positioning. I think this is fantastic. Exactly. All right. I'm going to ask you a bunch of these random things that I got. This is going to be, this is exactly what I was hoping for when we talked. So this is going to be perfect. This is what people want. The level of secrets that they don't usually get. So I have a yeah. bunch of different follow-ups for you. Tell me about, you mentioned loving a sales deck and I hate the sales deck. I, we, I have to use it, but I've just always wondered, like, is there a way to innovate on the deck, right? Which is like, as marketers, we spend so much time giving the sales team this five slide deck that always they end up updating and they need logos. Yeah. And that. Like, I kind of have this idea that it should just be on the website. Like, why not make it fully public on the website and your sales team can reference it on the website and customers can easily find it on the website? 
Yeah, so that's it. Totally, I'm with you. That happened naturally at, at HubSpot. I've also seen the opposite where like at Google, they had this crazy tool, which was like marketing uploads all of these approved assets and then sales can go in and they can like build a slide and it sucked. It was like not fun. It was not a good solution. Better solution is that you just put this on the website. HubSpot has big public company, whatever, $18 billion, right? The main way that people pitch is through this website page called Why Go HubSpot. It's essentially the pitch deck. And yes. it's awesome. We can all, it's, marketing like, can update I, I it. I love that. I love that yeah. because that to me is customer-centric marketing, which is like, I think ultimately the job of marketing is to make sales easier. And I don't mean the sales team, sales as a function. And so if you believe that, put it out there on the website and say, I can, somebody can talk you through this on the phone. But like, if you call us, we're not going to go pull up some private PDF. I'm going to go to this URL and and take you through it. And then you can go look at it after. Yep. Do it with the roadmap too. put the roadmap on, you know, whatever privy.com slash roadmap and put your roadmap on there as well. So when people becomes a marketing asset, but then also the sales team teach them, you want to like, you want to see the roadmap, go to whatever.com slash roadmap and it's there. Love it. That's great. Use a sales deck to shape your page. All right. As a head of product marketing, product marketing leader, how do you want to be measured? And so let's say I'm the CMO and you're like, look, Dave, here's how I want you to measure me. What are the, what are the, you know, maybe it's two, maybe it's seven. I don't know what they are. What are the things on the product marketer, the head of product marketing scorecard? Yeah. So the biggest one is, is revenue, product revenue. I want to be tied right to it. Right. So, you know, one awesome thing at HubSpot is there's GMs now. So there's like, you know, every product line has a GM, which they sit in the product org, but they're they're a VP, they're responsible for the revenue number. But I think if if you don't have that, like you should try to get as close as you can to this revenue number and show how you're impacting it, influencing it. You want to be really close to that revenue number because products marketing, a lot of the times is not have a clear way of measuring it. So get your revenue goals, understand how product's going to achieve it, and then build your OKRs or goals or whatever right off of that. Give me some OKRs that you've had in the past, like just high level. What are they? Yeah. So if it's like, all right, you know, the the goal for this product is $10 million or whatever. I know that in this quarter, like I've been, I've been doing positioning. I know that our sales team is ill-equipped to close deals against this certain competitor. So I'm going to say like one of my big bets is that we go deep on competitive intelligence against this customer, I think it's going to improve win rate. That's how I'm going to affect the revenue number. Love it. So oh. yeah, you. Me- I was going to ask you about that because you mentioned earlier. So you would actually go and say, what is the close rate of this cohort of deals today? Let's yeah. benchmark against it. And then next quarter, I'm going to look at it. And that's how we're going to measure if this sales enablement or whatever has been effective. Yeah, that's ideal. But you also, you can just talk to the sales team, right? Like if you have, if the sales team, <laughs> oh, they, the sales oh team yeah, should, they'll, they'll let you know. Well, they should love you. You know, you have to have, you can't be a product marketer who's like, ah, I don't like working with sales or whatever. Like maybe it's not your only job, but man, if sales, one way, if you want to keep your job and get promoted is that sales pounds the table for you, right? They're like, yep, I need them. I need them. They help me. You know, like you have to have that. A hundred percent. That's actually a great way to measure the the number of salespeople that come by the marketing team's desk and, and how often they come and what they want help with is a good indicator, like as a manager, when we used to work in offices that you could use to judge like the effectiveness of that team. Yeah, totally. So that's a big one. Uh, obviously, 
I think the health, like the, the marketing health of your products too, is another thing that you want to get, like you want to become more and more strategic as a product marketer. There's one CMO, but you can almost think about yourself as the CMO or the GM of your product or product line. And so like, you know, you, you're a five product company and for whatever reason, your product doesn't have any social proof, right? Like you should be like, hey, my product doesn't have any social proof. What the hell? Like we need to figure this out. And you either go and you do it or you figure out the teams, you know, like you want to be responsible for the health of your product. And so um, I think that's another thing that is important. And then finally, like launches, like you can't really measure positioning and that's okay. But like launches are the thing, launches are the thing that get the most attention. It's where you really like, you know, earn, like you were saying this yeah. earlier, it's like you earn your keep. It's going to have a huge impact. They're fucking hard what, like uh what's a yeah. good what's a good example of like an okr like so so you're doing your okrs for the quarter and in that quarter you have a big product launch one of your big okrs would be around the product launch but what yeah so it's you want to tie it to revenue right it's like we're going to launch this product and we're going to get twenty thousand free users and we know this free that's cool or you can say we're going to launch the product and we know that this is going to help close enterprise deals so we're going to like try and make sure that we influence that or you're just launching something that is going to going to increase retention. And so then it's product adoption. But you have to do that translation where it's like, we're going to do this launch. We're going to influence this one number. And that one number is the thing that's going to help us, you know, it's going to help us hit our revenue number. So hopefully you tie it all back to revenue. But yeah. What's up, everybody? I'm Marcus. I am the director of uh, product marketing at Pendo. Before that, I spent five and a half years at HubSpot. Before that, I spent three years at Google doing product marketing and sales enablement. I live in Waltham, Massachusetts. I got a wife and a little baby, Emmett, out here. And um, yeah, I'm the host of the Product Marketing Experts podcast. And I'm in the DG vault. Did I fuck that up? I'm in the DGMG vault. Uh, Even better. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Marketing Leaders Podcast. If you got something out of this episode, then I know you'll get even more out of DGMG. That's my members-only community for B2B marketers. There's over 2,300 members in there right now, and it's awesome because it's really like having a sounding board outside of your company as a marketer. Inside of the group, you can get feedback, recommendations on tools, on vendors. You can get campaign ideas. I've seen people post, hey, what do you think of this ad? Do you think this copy would work? Is anybody using this new tool? What do you think of this vendor? Uh, And it's the reason that I'm in the group basically every day sharing my own stuff too because it's just a community I want to be a part of. And because you're here listening to B2B Marketing Leaders, I got a special deal for you. You can get in the group for just $1 for your first month. After that, it's $10 a month. And let's be honest, it's super easy to expense at your company. It'll fly under the radar. Uh, There's 10 to 12 new posts every single day, and you can go back and see all the posts since the beginning of time. I know that if you're in B2B marketing, you'll see the ROI from the community instantly, and that's why I want you to join for a dollar. I want to make it a no-brainer. So go and check it out. There's a link in the the show notes of this episode, a special link just for you to go and join for $1.